It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It's time for clicking on Wednesday. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Monday, April 4th, not past April 1st. I hope you survived that successfully on Friday with all the jokes that were going on. Several tried to be pulled on me, but didn't work at a great time. But again, good to have you with us. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And we are hearing some great places people are listening to us from. But we're so grateful to have our expanding audience. And several people have said we're the number one podcast when it comes to the industry we cover. I like to think so. We're grateful to have you here. Today, we're going to call it a Jack Attack. This week, we have as our special guest, Jack Connick. He's Executive Director of Government Affairs at Wiener Brodsky, Eider. And we're going to be discussing changes in D.C., the new administration that has made leadership of the various federal agencies that impact the mortgage lending and what effects that will have as we look forward to this year and what's going on. I sat and listened to Jack Connick and Brian Montgomery do a presentation in Phoenix about a month ago. And and I so thoroughly enjoyed it. I said, I've got to get both of these guys on the podcast. So we finally caught up with Brian working on getting him on. But Jack is here this week and can't wait to share some of the insights that he shared with us. Folks, we are in different times that we've ever seen ourselves. So you got to stay tuned for the hot topic because we're going to cover a lot of that. Also joining me, of course, is my co-host, Jack Nunnery. So tense the Jack attack. Mr. Nunnery, always fun to have you on the podcast. Good to have you joining in. Let's go on. Say industry syndicate, proud to be a part of industry syndicate. They do a great job with promoting a number of podcasts out there. We're part of them and we're grateful that they promote us. So check out all the podcasts at industrysyndicate.com. Also our sponsors of the Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as Finastra Mortgage Bot Solution, which has robust features such as user-defined groups for processors, underwriters, and closers. Some great stuff. Go listen to the interview we did back on March 7th with Chris Zingo. He's Managing Director, President of the Americas. Like everything from North America to South America and everything in between. Also, the two co-ops, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. Both of these are sponsors. Again, I talked about the Lenders One conference we had in Phoenix. Jack is here as a result of his presentation. Then also the Mortgage Collaborative, which I was at the two weeks following in Miami. And that was another one of the conferences. And both of these two conferences that are organized presents how different these two organizations are, but yet they serve the basic need. Let's get lenders and vendors together in a smaller, more intimate setting and talk about your businesses in a way that you cannot anticipate or get from being a part of the National MBA. Now, you should belong to the National MBA. That's number one. Don't put off being a member of the co 
co-ops without being a member of the NBA. Let's make that certain. But if you're a member of the NBA, then join one or I recommend both of these co-ops. You'll get something out of it. Also, Total Expert is an outstanding, leading fintech software company that delivers purpose-built CRM and customer engagement for the modern financial institution. When they talk about purpose-built You've got to go back and listen to the interview I did with Joe Wellyu on March 14th. I've met Joe at the Mortgage Collaborative Conference in Miami. Man, they've got a vision. These guys are unstoppable. You've got to check them out. If you have another CRM, that's probably serving you well, but you've got to check out what Total Expert is doing. Also, Knowledge Coop, Ken Perry. We did a podcast on Friday. Go listen to the special podcast. Ken Perry and I caught up and talked about his new Knowledge Coop that serves the mortgage industry and others. So I am excited to have as a sponsor Mobility MMI and Modex. Both of these companies help you with finding top recruits in the various markets that you serve, as well as SnapDocs to get their tools and the support. They do a great job to implement e-mortgage technology effectively. And with SnapDocs, the e-mortgage quick start program is something you got to check out. Go to listen to the interview we did on March 28th with Brianna Ings. It's a great interview. Enjoyed that a lot. Love her energy. Smart lady. Also, success kit. Find a way to communicate with your audience. Use the words of someone else. I love that proverb. Let another mouth praise you, not that of your own. That's what success kit does. Great job. Get a hold of Julian Lumpkin. Go listen to the interview to learn more about this product by going to the interview we did with him on January 10th of this year, the beginning of the year. Also, Lender Toolkit, Brett Brumley and Brent Emler. These two guys are so much fun, but the product that they offer, what they're doing at Lender Toolkit, guys, is so innovative. They're right there with Form Free. What Brent Emler is doing as far as setting up and how we communicate, you got to check out these companies, guys. They're They're amazing. We're so excited to have these sponsors with us. Also, DW Consulting, Debbie Weemus. I love Debbie and what she helps you do and create a really good LinkedIn profile. So you got your best foot forward at all times. Also, a special thank you goes out to Rob, Les, Alice, Alan, Matt, and Jack. Welcome, everybody, to the Lick It on Lending Hot Topics segment. It, again, is the glorious day of April 4th. And we have as our special guest, Jack Connick, one of my favorite people out there. Such an articulate speaker that speaks in word pictures and is informative as he is entertaining when he speaks. He is the executive director of government affairs, Wiener Brodsky, Kiter, Mitch Kiter's firm. We just love Mitch and that is such a solid moving firm. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that they're doing, their initiatives. You need to pay attention to those. I'll talk about that at the end of the interview. But we're going to be talking about the changes in D.C. that the new administration has made in leadership for the various federal agencies and how it will impact mortgage lending. What effects and those changes will seem to have? Well, we're getting right into it. Jack, good to have you here, friend. Thank you, David. Great to be here. You are so fun to listen to and then team you up with Brian. You guys ought to do a podcast together because it would be the Jack and Brian show and it would be one of the most listened to because, again, you both just feed off of each other really, really well and did such a great job. But I've got to open up with this because you helped put this concept and, and the context of what you and Brian were talking about were, was about how things have changed and how it is difficult to get real guidance. And you said something that stuck with me. You said, normally we see a speed limit sign that says 55. He says, I have a slide and you sent it to me. And you said, if the CFPB were running the highway department, the speed limits would read speed limit, 
It depends. Check our website to see tickets we've recently issued to others. Again, imply to determine what we think is the appropriate speed limit. In other words, just no published guidance, no standards that are stated out there. Just check from our enforcement action. Thank God for good law firms like WBK that does a great job of helping us through all that morass. But um, you are here to give us some updates on what's going on. I welcome you to the podcast. Thank you, David. And and I will tell you, the speed limit sign's gotten a lot of use in the Cordray era at the yeah. Bureau. And, and we are sadly back to the future in the Chopra era of the Bureau, which a lot of people want to talk about as Bureau 2.0 or 3.0, but it's really 1.2. If you like yeah. Richard Cordray, you're going to love Chopra. And if you didn't like Cordray, you are going to really hate Chopra because they are cut from the same cloth. And what is the deal with Chopra and all his tweets? My God, this guy loves the limelight and social media more than anyone else. I mean, what are we supposed to make of this? Well, there's a lot that goes into that, but I do agree with your observation, Dave, that Rohit Chopra has never, never shied away from loving to see his name in print or hear his voice in the media. And that's not, if you've watched him, it's not new. He's, oh. He was a, one of the directors of the Federal Trade Commission, and he was just as outspoken there. He goes back to his roots as a disciple of Senator Elizabeth Warren. He was yeah. one of the original people brought into the Bureau when it was formed. And their style is very much the style of activism where you say a whole lot, you convey a lot of what you're going to do, you create a lot of trepidation, and then you let everybody run scared and do what they think it is you say you wanted without being specific because what happens like the speed limit sign is if i tell you the speed limit is you can check what i'm punishing someone else for you're not going to go right up to what you think the speed limit is you're going to want to stay short of it and they like that because when they can't get a rule out to say what they'd like it to say, they can get trepidation out to hopefully shoehorn you into what they'd like you to do without ever having to stand up and publish what that is and worry about the response from the public or from the industry that you normally get through comment to rulemaking under the Administrative Procedures Act. Yeah, I think it's almost like what the feds are doing because the feds say, we are going to do this, and then they get the effect. We go, okay, we're just kidding. We got the effect we want just by threatening to do that. We got everyone to kind of get in line and go where they needed. But for those that do not know you, Jack, you are a mortgage veteran yourself. You're not an attorney. Just talk briefly about yourself, your background, and then how you ended up at with our good friend Mitch Kiter at WBK. So, David, the best thing, I mean, we were joking about this earlier, but I apparently, I'm the disease that ends the life of a whole lot of prior employers, <laughs> but I actually came through the mortgage banking industry. I actually started in financial services 40 some years ago at what was then one of the biggest banks in the country, Mellon Bank, which doesn't yeah. exist anymore. But I was with Mellon on the retail banking side for a few years, but shifted over to mortgage first because I liked it. And secondly, because that's where they put me, but I got to know it. And so I've done every job there is in mortgage lending. I've been an originator. I've processed, underwritten, closed, serviced, collected, sold, done all that throughout the years. I was with Mellon for quite some time and then went off with a couple of friends of mine to try and form a little business to help small lenders who really didn't know what they were doing in the marketplace learn what they were doing. And then I ended up at National City. And so I spent a number of years at National City, again, in the mortgage operation. At National City, though, I was more of a 
a operations and compliance consultant across all the banks' consumer lending to make sure we tried our best to stay on track and do things right. And then when National City was acquired by PNC, they put me into free agency, and I had known Mitch Kiter for decades. Mitch and I used to speak together at conferences. We did a session where Mitch would talk about the latest legal issues threatening the industry, and I, as a non-lawyer, but practitioner would talk about how you best could make yourself a poor target for those kinds of attacks. And so Mitch called and said, hey, we'd love to have you come down to the firm and do that for our clients. And so I've been here now for a little over a dozen years doing not just consulting and compliance advice, but I also do advocacy. I work with all the regulatory and governmental agencies. And so if it has anything to do with the government, state or local, and you have a problem or a question or need guidance, I'm probably the guy you're going to talk to. Well, you are the guy. You have so much great information. Alice, let's get over to you. Well, it's wonderful to have your expertise on the show, so thank you so much. And I agree with you all as I've been looking at Rohit Chopra's, even his speech last week to the University of Pennsylvania Law School, just always throwing stuff up in the air for everybody to try and catch and figure out what he's doing. So I think my question is about just, obviously, he's in this administrative lead position, and that has an impact on us. So what changes have the new administration made in leadership of each of the federal agencies that can impact mortgage lending? And can you tell us what effect that might have? Well, actually, Alice, I think the, the effect that you're going to see from all of the personnel changes the administration's making, and this is not unique to this administration. A new administration comes in, it has a philosophy, it has goals that it wants to achieve, and it looks at personnel. Well, generally speaking, it throws out the old (laughs) as best they can. And then they start to put people into roles who think the right way, understand the marching orders of where they want to go, and are singing from the same sheet of music. And so we're seeing that at a number of the agencies. If you look at the stated goals of the administration, without question, one of the absolute top hot-button issues for this administration, I like to refer to it as fair lending slash access to credit. And everybody likes to talk about fair lending and stock. Not enough. Access to credit is a huge subtopic there. And when you look at most of the stuff that Chopra has put out of the the Bureau and other people from the federal agencies newly appointed to their roles have put out, whether it's attacks on overdraft fees or late charges on credit cards or whatever it is, it's all about how do people with less money access the system? Why are they paying so much? How come things are difficult? Why do groups not see the same level of success as other groups? So the changes we've seen in large measure have been to get people who think in that manner into the leadership roles at the bank regulatory agencies so they can push the banks in that direction to get Mr. Chopra. Before him, Dave Lugio is acting director, who was also from the same mold at the Bureau. And now you're starting to see policy in the form of news releases. And so, as we pointed out, and and Alice, you mentioned the speech that he did at the university, there's been a press release every week about junk fees and overdraft fees is my favorite. Overdraft fees are pricing people out of the banking system. Interesting point of view. We've seen him try to adapt antitrust philosophy to open the access to credit, alleging that if you command a marketplace and you then don't give everybody equal access, you're guilty of antitrust because you have too big a share. It's a fascinating study in how to use innovative methods to drive business the way you want it to go. But if you are not recognizing that how you reach the markets, how much of the markets you reach, how fairly you make decisions, and you made the point earlier about 
you have a policy, stick to the policy, do what you say you're going to do. And I would add to that, write it down, document that that's what you did, because that's going to be your only defense. And even that may not be enough. Because we've also had now Director Chopra talking about how reliance on an artificial intelligence system where you say, look, the machine does the same thing every time infallibly, and that's true. So he's now decided that there's bias baked into the programming in artificial intelligence. So even that's not good enough. Your reliance on the computer, if the computer is discriminating, is just as much of a problem. So reaching the markets is important. How you maintain your neutrality and do things appropriately is going to be critically important to everybody that's getting into regulatory positions in the federal government. And also, as an aside, don't forget that we have a dual regulatory system. David, a lot of your audience may not be primarily federally regulated, even though they right. follow under those rules. But the states have been emboldened in this partnership as well. And we're starting oh, to see true. a lot of enforcement actions from the states that follow down the same road. So true. So, so true. Jack. First of all, to our listeners, I've worked with Jack Connick in the past, and he can add so much value in so many different areas. So write his name down. He's an excellent resource. But Jack, a question. Fair lending aside, what other areas does this current administration have focus on in the mortgage industry? Well, not fair lending aside because it permeates everything they do, but some of the areas of concentration besides production, they are laser focused on servicing much more so than prior administrations have been because in their view, and there is a degree of truth in this, how you treat people once they're your customers is just important as whether or not you let them be customers in the first place and how you treat them in that process. So what you do in servicing and particularly in the collection of debt, and Alice mentioned earlier about and its importance in today's evaluation system. Are you granting forbearance? Are you giving it openly? Are you telling people what's available to them? Are you being over heavy-handed in your collection methodology to use collection instead of forbearance? I mean, all of these topics are getting a lot of attention. And you also heard Alice mention appraisals. There is a huge attack on the appraisal industry right now. We just saw a major report come out from the government. They formed this PAVE working group, and it's just issued its report on the professional appraisal valuation circumstances and their allegations that there's bias in there and it needs to be corrected. They've got all these action plans. So how you treat the appraisal process, how you interact with appraisers is going to be really important. How you service your loans is going to be really important in addition to production, all toward this goal of is everybody getting access and a fair shake. That is so interesting. Alan, let's get over to you. I know you got a question or two. Yeah, actually, I, I love these topics. Imagine on the appraisal side that you couldn't waive appraisal and it had to go to like a board of surgeons to approve the procedure, right? That would be amazing. <laughs> but anyways, a lot to talk about, especially fair lending for a different day. But I do have one question. What changes have you really seen so far? And what do you think is going to happen in the future? There's so much at play here various federal agencies, different approaches. So what do you think is coming down the pipe? I think you're going to see an uptick in enforcement activity. And uh, this is unfortunate because 
harkening back to David and my speed limit signs, you're going to start to see enforcement activity because that's the thought process that Director Chopra loves. And it will focus on these areas. And you see it in interesting ways. And in the Townstone case, which actually has been around for a while, but this is the allegation that someone illegally discouraged people from applying for a loan in the first place because of editorial comments made on an AM radio talk show on Sundays in the Chicago market. It's a fascinating new theory that you can somehow, by talking on the radio, tell people subliminally don't apply for a mortgage in those neighborhoods where there was a crime problem in Chicago. But I think you're going to see a lot of press release, a lot of talk, a lot of public attention, very little precise regulatory actions in terms of rules issued or modifications to rules, because I think they're going to like the latitude it gives them to be enforcers. And they love publishing enforcement statistics. Here's how many people we spanked. Here's how hard we spanked them. Look how good a job we're doing without ever really telling us what the rules are. And so to me, this is the Delta Talk High double secret probation for those of you who watched Animal House, right? You're on double secret probation. You didn't know what it was. You didn't know what the rules were. But you broke them, and by God, you're going to. That's hilarious, folks. That's just iconic, Jack, right there, right there in the middle. <laughs> so funny, Alice. <laughs> I'm recovering from that. That was funny. So here we are. We're in the second session of the 117th Congress. Uh, what, if anything, are we likely to see in the remainder of this term, and what could the outcome be, and, and what do you see maybe in the next session? Well, I think for the rest of this session, you're going to continue to see the vitriol that we've seen so far. In it, sadly, it is one of the most dysfunctional bodies we've had, not the most, but one of the most. And I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of bipartisanship compromise come out of this Congress because now we're in the election season. So they're going to be distracted between fiscal things that have to happen, budget appropriations and such, and cranking up their campaigns, you're not going to see a whole lot of substance, in part because the divide is too wide, and in part because in the Senate, which everyone likes to say is in democratic control, it really isn't for legislative purposes. To have absolute control, you need 60 votes to beat filibuster, and and it's a 50-50 Senate. That's not going to be control no matter what you say. So I don't think you're going to see a whole lot happen. Depending on what happens in the next election and whether or not not either the House or the Senate, either chamber gets to reliable control. You might see legislative packages move. But again, I don't think Congress is going to be the answer to anything. I think it's going to come in the administration. It's going to come from the executive agencies because they can write rules without having to worry about votes that don't go their way. So I think that's what we're going to see. I think we're going to see a lot of administrative action. But look, Elections matter. I tell people when I speak, everybody says we ought to have term limits. We do. They're called elections. So go vote. I mean, the fact is, if your uniform's not dirty, you don't get to bitch about the score, right? Get in the game. And one of the ways you get in the game is vote. You hired these people. Go hire somebody else if you don't like what they're doing, or at least try. And actually, it was mentioned earlier, the NBA's National Advocacy Conference is coming up. That's where we get as many people as we can to come to Washington. We actually take them up on the hill and have meetings in the offices of those elected people to tell them what we think, which is vital because as Mm -hmm. they decide what to do on issues, they need to hear all aspects of an argument, including our side. We're trying to provide the financing to the American dream. They say they want to put all these people in homes. Those people don't have money. They need us. They need to figure out what is going to be poison pills to us. And if we don't tell them 
Nobody else is going to. So we need to get active to make sure our side of the story gets told. Amen, brother. We got to get in that. That's a great encouragement for those of us to go in and get involved in the NBA advocacy movement. That's so important. Jack, let's go over to you. I know we got one more question or so here to go. Kind of time for us, so go ahead. You've talked about the increasing focus on fair lending, servicing, appraisals, forbearance. What are some of the things that lenders should be concentrating on in order to best position themselves to minimize their regulatory risk? It's a great question, Jack. And I'll tell you, that to me, to quote one of my favorite American philosophers, Dr. Johnny Fever from WKRP in Cincinnati, if they really are out to get you, paranoia is just good thinking. So think about <laughs> life from the other side of the table, right? What the regulators are worried about. You should be looking at yourself critically the way they will. We actually at the firm, we have a service we call the mock exam where we'll come in and pretend to be the bureau or whoever your regulator is. If you're a bank, we'll pretend to be the OCC, but we will run you through a very tough exam using their exam manuals and their materials to show you where your weak points are. You should be doing something along those lines. Alice mentioned that the Humda data is out. The, the way a lot of fair lending complaints are brought is by doing what's called peer analysis and they look and say, how do you compare to other people who we decide are your peers? Well, first, you ought to decide who your true peers are because for most of you, Bank of America is probably not an actual peer to you, right? So, but you should look at the Humda data for yourself and the other agencies and entities that are in your market and see how your numbers stack up against their numbers for penetration, for what demographics you serve, for what geographic areas you serve, and realize as you do that, the world's changed because of technology, where it used to be we worried Humda was about redlining. The allegation that we put a map on the wall, we drew a big red line around certain areas and said, don't go there. And the Humda data then, if you put a black dot every place you made a loan and a red dot every place you didn't, and all of a sudden all the dots in those red lined mm -hmm. areas were red, right? You had a problem. You could see it. Well, the problem is today, you don't have to be geographical to redline. We've seen enforcement allegations that say you're redlining a population because across all your numbers, unmarried yeah. Latino women get loans at a lesser rate or they get them but at a higher cost than white married couples. So we can now assess your lending patterns across the demographic split of all of those things you ask for in that government monitoring section. So race, gender, where you're from, what, what little subdivision of population you belong to ethnically, all of that. We can now analyze the data to see if you're serving a group differently than other groups. You should be doing that. The data's there on you and okay. your competitors in the Humda file. You should be looking at yourself because you want to know before the regulator what they're going to come in and ask you about. You're going to want to have an answer for it. We're getting some questions in from some of our listeners. It sounds like they've gone through your mock review and they said, outstanding. It shined the light on some things we had no clue of. We thought we were well prepared, but this is a must do for every lender listening to this podcast. So good. Thank you. So that was a statement of endorsement from one of our listeners who obviously <laughs> called to the program with you, so good as to you. One of the questions that just came in from one of our listeners said, is doing the mock audit a reasonable defense? That does help you defend the fact that you have taken the initiative to look at this rather than having the calf and a new pen look, as we say here in Texas. In other words, you're surprised. What's this about? What are you doing? So is this a reasonable defense? 
I will tell you that there's no absolute way to answer that, Dave, but a couple of thoughts relative to that. The first is one of the huge concentration areas for the Bureau as they open an exam is to come in and look at your compliance management system. How do you manage compliance at your company? And it's essentially risk management, and it's not unique to lending. It's business agnostic. I mean, you could do this at a manufacturing plant or a bakery or whatever it is you run, but you ought to have a good compliance management system. And actually, the CFPB's exam manual has a chapter devoted to it that's really good and can help your business. But essentially, it's figure out what you want everybody doing, train them how to do it, make sure you retrain them periodically how you want it done, monitor them to make sure they're doing it that way, and if they're not, fix it, and then keep monitoring to make sure it's fixed. So that, in a nutshell, is a compliance management system. It's also good risk management for any business. And so if they see you doing that, they're going to have more confidence that you are doing your best. Even if there are problems that arise, you're fixing them, and all that's good. The problem with any self-assessment is, depending on what it says and what you do about it, it can either be great evidence that you're trying your best or an absolute smoking gun. So you need to be careful. And so... One of the reasons we developed the mock exam was so that at least if you're doing the review and you've hired a law firm to do it, you're doing it under control of attorney-client privilege, and so you can shield some of what might come out of it. But I will tell you that you should absolutely know what's going on. You should want to do that to make your business better for the compliance side of it. If you really want to be good and do as much business as possible, that's a way to figure it out. Look at what you're doing make sure you're doing it the way you expect because I will tell you, unless you're a mom and pop shop operating out of one room in your basement, if you've got eight branches, the regulators are smart about this. They'll come in and they'll get a copy of your procedures and policies and they'll go to the branch farthest away from your headquarters and walk in there and ask people how they're doing things. And if they don't match the procedures, you've got a problem. So if you haven't looked, you may have a problem you don't know about. You never want to have that happen. Yeah, and, and you speak to a great point. Having it done by a law firm, you do have the advantage of they can't subpoena from the law firm. It sits behind that wall of attorney-client yeah. privilege. So very good point. Yeah, so I will tell you, as a non-lawyer, everybody likes to believe that that's an absolute vault. It's not, but it's pretty darn good. Pretty so darn good. It's yeah. something, if, yeah, if you're going to do self-assessment, you probably want to have whatever counsel you use at least involved in the process so that they can help you figure out how to get the best ability to protect yourself while you're going through the process. Because if you see something that needs fixing, you don't necessarily want to say, oh, we got a huge problem and we sure as hell hope we fix it. And you want to be able to get through the process before you have to talk about the process. And so that yeah. helps in that regard. Yeah. Great, Zach. You've knocked the ball out of the park again. I just enjoy listening to you talk. It's time just flies so fast. Alan Pollock, who's still on the line, said, my new favorite best quote of the day, if your uniform isn't dirty, you don't <laughs> about the score. Alan, he's always looking for a good quote, and that's a good one. That's excellent. Jack, thank you so much. Say hi to Mitch and the team. I hear you guys are growing. I heard Mitch was busy last week training a whole bunch of new associates. That's so awesome. You guys provide such a valuable service to the industry. I encourage people to check you out. We'll have Jack's contact information as well as the contact information for Wiener Brodsky Kiter in the show notes, so be sure to follow up. Brian Montgomery will be here next week. We're going to catch up with him on a pre-recorded basis. 
So Brian and I will catch up. I'll try to get uh, Jack Nunnery to join me on that interview. We'll try to make it as dynamic as possible, but it'll be fun. Folks, be sure to come back. Brian Montgomery with us next week. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, Lenders One, Mobility MMI, Modix, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, Mortgage Collaborative, SnapDoc Success Kit, Lender Toolkit, Total Expert, Form Free. And we're so grateful, most of all, for you, our listeners, tuning in and sharing this podcast with others. I was at a Black Knight function at the uh, conference and I was talking to Mike Brown and he says, you know what, Dave, I think it's required listing here at Black Knight. A lot of people are required to listen to your podcast because of the amount of information. So, Mike, thanks for that shout out. And we give you a shout out back. Folks, have a great rest of your week. Look forward to having you back next week with our regular podcast and with our special guest, Brian Montgomery. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.